China is locking down certain neighborhoods to stop a new surge in coronavirus cases in Beijing. A noose was found in the garage of black NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace. And this weekend, Attorney General Barr moved to get rid of a U.S. attorney in charge of investigating some of Trump's biggest allies. We've got BuzzFeed News legal reporter Zoe Tillman with us to explain. The date, June 22nd, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey, everyone. I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. How was your Father's Day, Casey? Oh, it was delightful. Spend some time with your dad? Our whole life now is just like occasionally hanging out in my parents' backyard, which isn't great for me who gets bit by mosquitoes all the goddamn time. It's like out of control. They have my chair set up and it's like surrounded by like those citronella candles. And I just like sit there with my mask and just like hope I'll be okay. (laughs) That you neither suffocate from the citronella nor the mosquitoes devour you. (laughs) Yeah, my uh, my dad and my siblings and my mom were all in Michigan hanging out in my dad's backyard. So it, w- it was nice to see that they were all at least got to were able to get together. Um, but I also got to congratulate my dad because he actually him and my brother won a regional Emmy over the <gasps> weekend. That's amazing. Right. They won a regional Emmy for an interview they did with a dude who was looking for the child that he thought he might have had while a a GI in Vietnam. So they had a great interview with him. They submitted it and they won for it. Amazing. Congratulations to them. Yeah. Right. Uh, My brother's working on a full length documentary, including the son who does exist and their their reunion. And I'm really excited to see how it all turns out. Oh, amazing. I can't wait to watch it. Same. Now, let's get this very Monday episode started. It's time for the TLDR, the most important headlines for the day, brought to the top of your feed. Here are three things you need to know today. One, the president's rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Saturday was a bust, and the blame is being passed around like a leaked copy of a Beyonce album. The indoor rally in Tulsa was meant to be a reboot of the Trump re-election campaign, the first big campaign event since the pandemic began. There was a lot of hype over how many people were expected to show up. An estimated one million people were said to have signed up for the rally, according to the Trump campaign, who planned for an overflow stage to hold all those people. But in the end, most of those people did not turn up. Instead, Trump addressed a crowd of about 6,000 people and was reportedly furious about it. The campaign has tried to blame protesters for blocking entrances and the media for spreading fear about the virus. But the Tulsa police said there were no entrances blocked and it wasn't just media fear-mongering. Local health officials had been worried about the rally causing a spike in cases. Online, K-pop stands and TikTokers took credit for the wildly inaccurate crowd size estimates, claiming they'd flooded the Trump website with requests. But since the tickets were free and weren't even really needed to get in, they can take all the blame or credit for why the event was so empty. Two, Trump's former national security advisor, John Bolton, went on ABC News and basically said that, yeah, the president did the thing he was impeached over. Whatever. No big. John Bolton's book, The Room Where It Happened, is a tell-all about his time in the White House. After a judge ruled against the administration last week, the book is set to be published tomorrow. 
We talked about some of the contents of the book last week, but in a new interview with ABC, Bolton is extremely clear about two things. That the president is always looking out for himself and his re-election, and that Donald Trump absolutely pushed Ukraine for the quid pro quo that got him impeached. Bolton told ABC, quote, It was a trade. It was a trade of an investigation in exchange for the security assistance. Bolton was asked by the House to testify last year during the impeachment inquiry. He said, nah, pass, but later said he would testify if the Senate subpoenaed him, which of course did not happen because all the Republicans in the Senate but one voted against having witnesses in the president's trial. So now you can just fucking read about it in Bolton's book, I guess. (sighs) Three. There has been a surge of coronavirus cases in China, which is not great for states that are pushing forward opening back up here in the U.S. China cracked down hard on the coronavirus when it first appeared, shutting down everything. And I mean everything. It lifted those restrictions after getting things under control. But since June 11th, Beijing has seen over 200 new cases of coronavirus pop up, prompting a quick move to isolate the people who've been infected. Though the city of 20 million people is still mostly open, several neighborhoods have been deemed medium or high risk. People living in medium risk areas can come and go as long as they're registered and do temperature checks. But the high risk areas are holding people in place with entire buildings isolated if just one person is infected. That is definitely a relatively low number of cases, unlike in the U.S., where multiple states are seeing record high new cases daily. Okay, and can we talk about the rally some more about how the president said that the U.S. should be doing even less testing despite those less testing, less testing. Play the tape, please. When you test, when you do testing to that extent, you're going to find more people. You're going to find more cases. So I said to my people, slow the testing down, please. They test and they test. We got tests that people don't know what's going on. So the president's staff has tried to say this was a joke. Ha ha. Funny joke, I guess. Is that what we're just going to do now? He he says something terrible and then they just go, it was a joke. Don't you know how jokes work? <laughs> yeah. And it's getting to the point that I don't know if I know how jokes work. Do I? <laughs> Am I just really unfunny or is everything broken? I'm guessing it's a ladder, but I don't know anymore, Casey. I just don't know. <laughs> okay. Also, I do want to talk because I saw a lot of discourse about this on Twitter and stuff about talking about the k-pop fans and then the tiktokers who like okay yes they can't take all the blame and or credit for why the event was so empty and people are like why is everyone giving them all this credit and i'm like because they did the perfect troll they made trump and others believe that so many people were going to be there that they had to expand the arena i mean that's the best troll it's like yes those six thousand people were going to be the only people or however many people were there to show up but like at the end of the day it was a troll and i love it It absolutely was, Casey. I completely agree with you there. Plus, I I heard that people were deleting their posts as soon as they started to, like, organize around this. It was meticulous. The fun fact, though, now some people are grumbling about foreign interference from the TikTokers. Oh, my God. No, this is a joke. This is what a joke is. Just to bring it full circle. (laughs) All right. It's time for today's good news, bad news. 
Today's good news, Will Smith learned what feelings are, and it's all thanks to his daughter, Willow. So basically, two years ago, Willow opened up about how when she was 10 years old and doing the promotional tour for her hit song, Whip My Hair, she was just done, absolutely done, and wanted to go home. And to protest her dad, Will Smith, forcing her to stay on the road, she shaved her head, which is amazing, and I totally understand that angst 100%. So this weekend, Will sat down with his wife, Jada Pinkett-Smith, for a Father's Day episode of her show, Red Table Talk, and he brought up his side of the story. He said that through that experience, Willow taught him a lot about himself and about how much someone can hate you for pushing your dreams onto them. You know, she introduced me. It feels so weird when I say this. She introduced me to feelings. Yeah. I would say that whip my hair thing put a pause button on my overt parenting. Good for Will. I mean, I'm glad that he saw the light and decided to just, you know, let his kids be his kids and not little extensions of his, like, life and dreams. My favorite tweets are the ones that are like, this is what the world would look like if fathers went to therapy. Oh, shit. (laughs) They are. It's accurate. And I just really love this because it is just showing growth from him. And it's always good when you can see um, a father and a child just really like working through issues that they've had. And it's so great that he was able to see like her side of that and just empathize with that. Right. And I got to say, Willow and Jaden have grown up a lot. I was looking back and I found that remember that 2014 interview they did where they were talking about time and energy and all of that jazz. I we made fun of it a lot back then. But you know what? I feel like they might have Maybe not about the time and energy shit, but about feelings and emotions. I feel like they were ahead of their time. And on to the bad news. A noose was found in the garage of Bubba Wallace, NASCAR's only full-time black driver at the top tier. The FBI and Department of Justice are conducting investigations to determine who left a noose on the locker of Bubba Wallace, the NASCAR driver who just recently led a successful campaign to ban the Confederate flag from racists. Wallace also recently wore an I Can't Breathe shirt before an event and raced in a Black Lives Matter car. So NASCAR has confirmed that the garage area where the noose was found is restricted to essential personnel, which means that the person or people who did it are most likely either members of race teams, NASCAR officials, or other security, health, and safety personnel. In a statement, Wallace said, Today's despicable act of racism and hatred leaves me incredibly saddened and serves as a painful reminder of how much further we have to go as a society and how persistent we must be in the fight against racism. That's so fucked up, man. It it truly is. I mean, I cannot imagine the pain and he's going through, especially in I mean, that's his that's his space. He's like earned. He's earned to be there like he's worked hard. He has excelled. He's a top tier NASCAR driver, and this is what happens to him. I mean, it's it's not only incredibly racist, it, it also just goes against him and the respect that we should he should be shown for being in this tier. Right. I mean, also, what the fuck? Who says that a black person can't drive a car in fucking circles? What? Why bring racism into NASCAR? That's one of the most confusing things in the world to me. Oh, uh, gosh. And also on top of that, despite the ban, a Confederate flag with a defund NASCAR banner was seen flying over the track on Sunday. And there are reports that Confederate flags were being sold across the street. Great job on that ban. Great job, everybody. (sighs) 
agree with that sigh. All right, everyone listening, when we come back, we've got BuzzFeed News reporter Zoe Tillman telling us all about Friday night's Attorney General showdown. Stay right there. Chief it. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com/slash 2022. Hi, I'm Hillary Clinton, and I'm excited to be back with a new season of You and Me Both. You know, when we started this podcast, we were going through some tough times, and let's face it, we still are. But I am a firm believer we're stronger together. So please join me for more conversations with people who will make you think, make you laugh, and help us find a path forward. Listen to You and Me Both on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play and Find Your Unicorn Space activist on the gender division of labor, attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're uncovering why society makes it so hard for women to treat their time with the value it deserves. So take this time out with us. Listen to Time Out, a Fair Play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Last Friday night, Attorney General William Barr issued a surprise press release announcing that the U.S. attorney in charge of the Southern District of New York, Jeffrey Berman, would be resigning. And then within just a few hours, Berman issued a statement basically saying, I am absolutely not resigning. The next 48 hours were a mess that ended with Berman actually resigning, but it left people wondering more than ever just how much the White House is messing around with the Department of Justice. I can't think of a better person to explain what the hell just happened than BuzzFeed News courts reporter Zoe Tillman. Thanks for joining us, Zoe. Happy and confused to be here. (laughs) So let's start with the basics for some of our listeners out there who might not know. Uh, What is the Southern District of New York and why is who runs that office such a big deal? So there are U.S. attorney offices in every district in the country. And, you know, in theory, all of the U.S. attorneys are all on equal footing. They all have the same power to bring criminal prosecutions on behalf of the U.S. government. However, the Southern District of New York, which likes to call itself the Sovereign District of New York, which gives you (laughs) some hint of where we're going here, um, is a a very special office. It's powerful um, because of its location in Manhattan. It's the primary prosecutor for big financial crimes. Um, It was a a big hub when terrorism prosecutions were a thing. Um, It's been a springboard for very powerful Justice Department senior officials. Um, Notably, for our purposes, it's one of the U.S. attorney's offices that's been involved in prosecuting 
current and former allies of the president, like Michael Cohen, um, and investigating Rudy Giuliani, his lawyer. So it's an office that has has long been important, separate from our current situation, and is an office that is also very significant under our current situation. So really quickly, what are some of those investigations that they're running that would be so politically sensitive? You mentioned Rudy Giuliani, right? Right. So this is the office that filed campaign finance charges against some of Rudy Giuliani's associates, Lev Parnas, um, Igor Fruman. Uh, and we know from reports that this office has been investigating Giuliani himself to see if there's any connection to some of these campaign finance issues or who knows what else. Um, they don't have to tell us. We do also know from reports that they had subpoenaed Trump's inaugural committee and have been interested in the financial goings on there. And it already brought actually some charges related to a, a donor to the inaugural committee. Um, so that's another area we know they've looked at. And this was an office that prosecuted Michael Cohen, the president's, you know, former lawyer and a longtime ally who is no longer an ally of the president. Um, <laughs> and he probably told them a lot that they might be interested in at some future time. So last Friday night was such a trip. Is there any precedent for how this all went down? There sure is. Uh, <laughs> uh, early in the Trump administration uh, in 2017, the then Attorney General Jeff Sessions uh, ousted the remaining Obama-era U.S. attorneys, which is not unheard of. You know, it's mm-hmm. common to clean house. But um, it was done in a way that rankled some of the current office holders, including the then U.S. attorney in Manhattan, Preet Bharara, who made clear that he was not going to go quietly into the night. Um, They had asked for his resignation. He said, no, if you want me out, you're going to have to fire me. And this was one of these overnight, Friday night, exciting Mm -hmm. drama. What's going to happen? And he was fired. And then he left. Um, But it, it very much felt familiar to have a Friday night drama situation about a U.S. attorney in New York. And what was Trump's role in this? Was he consulted? It's not totally clear. Um, The attorney general, when he went back and forth with Jeffrey Berman, who was now the soon-to-be former U.S. attorney in Manhattan, um, the attorney general told Berman that he, because Berman was refusing to leave, the president had fired him formally. Um, We heard that from Barr in a letter When the president was asked about it, speaking to reporters on Saturday, however, Trump was rather dismissive and said, that's up to the attorney general. He said, I believe, quote, I'm not involved, which raises questions about what exactly he knew and what authority he gave Barr to act. Um, And it's, you know, it was it all lasted long enough for Democrats in Congress to say, we want to look into this and find out what the attorney general is doing and on whose authority. There are reports that Barr was at odds with Berman on a few different issues, including Berman allegedly declining to sign a letter that criticized New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio's enforcement of social distancing for religious gatherings, but not for protests. Do we know we have any idea what the actual motive was for this? Any speculation even at this point? There's been some reporting um, that Barr has been more hands-on with how things are handled in the Southern District um, than that office may like. And there was some language used by Jeffrey Berman in his statements 
that hinted at this idea of I'm needed here to protect the independence of the office. And Barr even hit back on that and said, I'm not trying to interfere with anyone, but it definitely suggested that there has been some micromanaging perhaps that Berman was not a fan of and trying to protect his people from. Um, We don't know if there was something specific that happened that prompted this all of a sudden. Um, I think something that has been strange and noted is that the official they wanted to, they want to nominate to replace Berman, the head of the Securities and Exchange Commission, Jay Clayton, um, has never been a federal prosecutor before, which is very unusual when taking over an office of federal prosecutors. Um, And the attorney general in his letter to Jeffrey Berman said, you know, I don't know why you're being so difficult. We were talking about giving you another job, including maybe head of the SEC. So it's strange that they were somehow proposing some kind of job swap. Apparently, for some reason, that's not really clear to anyone. So what does all this mean for the investigations into Trump and Giuliani that the Southern District of New York was conducting? So how this ended finally was Barr back down on his plan to replace Berman in in one sense, in that they were going to install the U.S. attorney in New Jersey, Craig Carpenito, to take over for Berman temporarily, which Berman appeared to have a very big problem with. Um, so instead, assuming the president is still planning to nominate this other person, Jay Clayton, to go through the whole Senate confirmation process, et cetera, which can take time. In the meantime, they've agreed that Berman's deputy, Audrey Strauss, will take over the office. And Berman made clear in a statement on Saturday night, he trusts Audrey Strauss. He feels confident that she will continue their work um, and uh, resolves any concern that Berman appeared to have about this other plan that the attorney general had for replacing him in the short term. Well, Zoe, thank you so much for joining us. Sure thing, anytime. Friends, we got time for one more thing. And today it's this TikTok that perfectly sums up what it's been like covering the news this year. The caption reads, journalist in 2020, and is a pretend exchange between a newly hired journalist and his editor. Glad to have you on board, but it's a fast-paced job, rookie. You sure you're up for the task? Yeah, I'm really excited to report on those wildfires. That's what I like to hear. You're going to need that enthusiasm if you're going to cover this World War III story. Sorry, what? Look, we're all real torn up about Kobe's death, but somebody's got to cover it. What, like Kobe Bryant? Could you get your mind off sports for one goddamn second? There's a pandemic going on in China. Jesus Christ, should I be worried? I mean, China seems to have it pretty under control, but we should still keep up on it. All right, well, like... I guess that's good. Back the fuck up, Johnson! What, are you trying to get us all killed? You you just said it wasn't a big deal! Johnson, if the next words out of your mouth aren't murder and bees, you're fired. Murder what? Open a fucking book! They're giant murder wops, cutting the heads off, honey. All right, shit, I'll cover the bees. Oh, that's just great. There's a civil rights movement going on. You're talking about fucking bees! I'm sorry, I didn't know. Earthquake! Okay, that masterpiece was from TikTok user Dmata3, and it feels like he just captured our entire two months doing this podcast. Yep. But also just like all the things that have already happened this year, and it's only June. It's only fucking June, Casey. (laughs) There's so much year left. There's a whole ass election down the line, and I'm scared. I'm so scared about what the fuck is going to happen next. No, I have like actual flash. I mean, I and I forgot that the wildfires were this year. I forgot. I did too. I was so sure that that had to have been at least like 20, like mid 20. It had to have been a year ago at this point. That was my guess. 
okay, wait, if, if this is for anyone who watches The Good Place, this is like Jeremy Bear Me, like the time where it's just like, you know, it's like, it could have been yesterday, it could have been the day before, it could have been the dot over mm. the, you know, it could have been yeah. anything. <laughs> it could have been literally any point and I would have believed it if I had not been there and had such a solid reference in my brain. So thank you, DMATA3, for really just fucking nailing what it's been like these last few months. And with that, that's it. That's our show for today. Join us tomorrow for whatever madness would also fit into that last TikTok. And remember, the murder hornets never went away. They're still out there waiting. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your murder hornet stories. <laughs> and please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. Socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters. Underwear is the second, shirts are third. At Bombas, socks were first. Made with comfortable details for everyday wearing. Then underwear and shirts too. All designed to perfectly fit. At Bombas, every item you purchase means you're donating an essential clothing item to someone in need. One comfortable clothing item for you, one donated to someone in need. Bombas. Comfort for all. Get 20% off your purchase at bombas.com comfy. I'm Paris Hilton, and this is Trapped in Treatment, a weekly podcast of shocking survivor experiences and stories from an industry plagued by controversy. With my hosts, Caroline Cole and Rebecca Mellinger, we will uncover the truth of one teen treatment facility each season. First up, Provo Canyon School. This one is personal. Listen to Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us your attention, we need everything you got fast Waiting on reparations, we be the illest podcast Tune in every Thursday, politics and wordplay We fight for the people cause they got us in the worst way From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye From the left enclave to what the neocons say Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation And then break us off with some bread cause we waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 